We've been doing a series on our worship and how it's important that we're worshipers who are worshiping in spirit and in truth. We've been looking at songs and saying, you know, when I'm singing these words, am I really meaning what I'm saying? Do I even understand what I'm saying? Do I have any concept of what what I was just singing about? And so I've talked about how kind of in the world we have this mode that we drive down the road in our cars and we can sing any any song that comes on the radio. And we can sing it loud, we can sing it proud, we can sing it whether we know the words or not, and we just sing. And sometimes I think we do the same thing when we come to church. We've used the police and the Beatles as introductions for our sermons so far in this series. Today, I want to look at a different song. And it's a song that my wife told me, she said, it's not really a song, it's a nursery rhyme. Okay, but it's a song because I've seen the cartoon, I've seen the video, I've YouTubed it and showed it to her to prove my point. But it's a song that, that we sing sometimes with our kids. It says, three blind mice. Three blind mice, see how they run. See how they run. They all ran after the farmer's wife who cut off their tails with a carving knife. Did you ever see such a sight in your life as three I mean, What are we singing to our kids? Did you ever think about that? Like three blind mice. I mean, we get this picture. They got their sunglasses and walking sticks, and they're chasing. Now, how they can chase the farmer's wife, I have no idea because they're blind. But they're chasing her, so she grabs a knife and cuts off their tails. You ever see such a thing in all your life? What? Hey, kids, let's go to bed now. No wonder they have nightmares. <laughs> rock of my baby in the treetop. The wind will blow. The cradle will rock. Down will come. I mean, seriously. The song Three Blind Mice or that nursery rhyme. They say when it was written, there really is a story that, that is behind that nursery rhyme. That story is there were three Protestant men who were coming against Queen Mary the first. In England, she was a Catholic, staunch Catholic, and they were Protestants, and we know the Protestant Reformation and all that happened in that. And, and they were coming against Queen Mary, and so she didn't like these blind men, these three blind men, because they were blind by the Protestant you know, enlightenment, whatever you want to say, coming against her. So she didn't cut off their tails with a carving knife, but she had them burned, I think, at the stake or something. And so they wrote this song, and some would say so Protestants could remember their heroes. I would say so that Catholics could remember how mean the queen was. I mean, she was called Bloody Mary. That was the whole point in the rhyme. And now we use it with our kids. You see, sometimes there's some really deep meaning behind what we sing. I want to look at one of those songs this morning that has some some really deep meaning that if we didn't understand the meaning behind it, literally it sounds almost as crazy as cutting off their tails with a carving knife. I mean, think about it. Just a few moments ago, you sang, well, some of you sang, I don't know who all did, I wasn't checking, a line in the song that said, take a burning coal and place it on my lips. I mean, why would you sing, cut off my tail with a carving knife? So why are we singing that? What is that song? We sang a song that's called Take Me In. And if we don't know the scripture, if we don't know the background, 
that song can be very confusing. You might say, what are we singing about? In my heart this morning, what I want to do is, is take us back into the Old Testament so we can visualize literally what we were singing in that song. And we can look at that song through the lens of, of how it was written so we understand the true purpose of that worship song. I want to pray, Father, I thank you for our time this morning. I thank you for the presence and power of God. I thank you for your anointing, God, that is in this place. And I pray, Father, that anointing continues as we look at your word. God, I pray for our hearts and minds that they would be in line with you. I pray for myself, God, in my notes that that they would be yielded to you, Lord, that your will would be accomplished in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. So if I'm going to talk about the song, Take Me In. I'm, I'm going to go back to the place where this, this song was established. And we're going to go back in the book of Exodus to the story of Moses. And if you'll recall Moses' story, remember God chose him. The Israelites, they were in slavery in Egypt, and God chose Moses to lead his people out of Egypt. And when God chose Moses to lead his people out, what happened? He went to Pharaoh. Pharaoh said no. So he went back to Pharaoh several times. There's these plagues that happen. And God's people, finally Pharaoh said, just get out of here. And God's people begin to leave leave Egypt. When they leave, they watch God do some miraculous things. They see this, this pillar of cloud and this pillar of fire that guides them. They see the Red Seas parted. They see God feed them with manna. And they get tired of the manna, so he gives them some meat. He gives them some quail. They eat so much of that, they get sick. Then they're thirsty, so he brings water from a rock. All these things are happening as Moses led God's people out of Egypt. And in leading God's people out of captivity, in leading them out of slavery, God begins to have some conversations with Moses. And he's talking to Moses on Mount Sinai, and he makes him a promise that he's supposed to deliver to God's people. That promise is in Exodus chapter 19. He said, tell him, you yourselves have seen what I did in Egypt and how I carried you on eagle wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully, now someone might need to underline that one, obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a nation or a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you're supposed to speak to the Israelites. And so God has given Moses this great promise. I mean, he's talking about being a treasured possession and and a holy nation and, and the things that he's going to do. But Moses delivers that message to God's people, and then he's supposed to go back up on Mount Sinai. And when God when when Moses goes back up on the mountain to have this conversation with God, God begins to download him. I mean, I talked about obeying everything they had to obey. We think of Mount Sinai. Remember, we get the picture of Charlton Heston coming down off the the mountain with the Ten Commandments in his arms. I mean, we know that God gave him the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai, but he also gave him the fullness of the law. Read Leviticus. I mean, it gets crazy all that God, he like just literally downloaded all the stuff on Moses on Mount Sinai. And as he's going through the the commandments and he's going through the law, which you'll recall was was the redemption of man, was law. That was life. I mean, 
Now it's death, but in that time it was life. There was the regulations they lived under. He's given them the festivals and all those things. He stops and he says, now I want to tell you about my presence. I need you to do me a favor. I want you to build a tabernacle for me. I want you to build a tabernacle. And in that place, you're not going to have to come up. You know, I mean, think of Moses. He's got to climb a mountain every time he sees Jesus. I mean, sees God. He said, I want you to build this place for my presence so my presence can be with my people. And this song that we're singing, that we sang earlier, is all about experiencing the presence of God. It's all about knowing God's presence in, in the fulfillment of his promise. And so God begins to speak to Moses. Now, sometimes I wish today God would speak to me like he did to Moses on Mount Sinai. Because if you read, and you can look in Exodus chapter like 25 through about 31, and see the way God begins to describe to Moses what he's about to do. If you read this, God gets very specific with Moses on what he's supposed to do to build this place where his presence would dwell. He begins to tell him the, the materials to use. He tells him the measurements to make. I mean, literally, it's to me, and I can look at some of those verses here in a second, it's almost like reading uh, an, an instruction manual. You know when you buy your kid a bike for Christmas, and you got an instruction manual, and it says put part A here and part B here? I mean, literally, that's what God does with Moses as he starts to talk about the tabernacle and all that will be in the tabernacle. Just for an example, it's Exodus chapter 26. Go to that slide, please. It's just after these. Make the tabernacle with ten curtains of finely twisted linen and blue and purple and scarlet yarn with cherubim woven into them by a skilled worker. All the curtains are to be the same size, 28 cubits long and four cubits wide. Join five of the curtains together and do the same with the other five. Make loops along the material along the edge of the curtain on one set and do the same on the end of the curtain of the other set. Make 50 loops on one curtain and 50 loops on the other curtain of the other set with the loops opposite of each other. Then make 50 golden clasps and use them to fasten the curtains together so that the tabernacle is a unit. Make curtains of goat hair. I mean, he goes on and on. I mean, as you read this chapter in in Exodus 26, it's like, man, I mean, How many of you wish God talked to you like that when you went to him about your problem? So here's what I want you to do. I want you to do this, 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 and this. Make sure this piece goes here. That piece goes here. You just measure it out this long, and it goes this way, and you make it out of this, and these are the colors to use and the designs to have. I mean, God literally does that with Moses as he's talking to him about the temple. And the temple or the tabernacle, now this is the picture, like an illustration Of this tabernacle. Not only did God tell him what to use to build this, but he also told him the pieces that needed to be inside of this. And so these are the outer the outer gates, basically, or the outer walls of the temple. There's a gate here, and the first thing you came to was a brazen or a bronze altar that was a place of sacrifice. And then you went in beyond that. This is the outer courts, just for the record. You went beyond that, and there was this wash basin where the priests would wash their hands. And then this was the holy place, and beyond this was the most holy place, or the holy of holies, and that's where the Ark of the Covenant and the presence of God was to remain. 
And God began to download Moses these instructions so his people could actually have a place for the presence of God. They had a place where they could experience the presence of God. Go to the next slide. That would have been a little easier. So there it is, a little bit bigger. So that's where we're at. God has begun to to, to tell his people, hey, my presence will dwell here. Now, the interesting thing in in this verse is that line that says, take the coal, cleanse my lips. Like, where is that coming from? When I read about the tabernacle and when I was studying about the tabernacle, I came across a scripture that said, this is in Exodus chapter 30. Keep going, Irene. Chapter 30, verse 17. Keep going. Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a bronze basin with its bronze stand for washing. Place it between the tent of meeting and the altar, and put water in it. Aaron and his sons are to wash their hands with, and feet with water from it. Whenever they enter the tent of the meeting, they shall wash with water so that they what? I mean, Grandma's worried about whether or not I wash my hands before I come to supper, but I don't think she's going to kill me. There was something that was happening. There there, there was something that was going on. There was a a, a holy reverence or a a holy fear that the priest had. Now, this was a place, if you can go back to the picture of the temple, please, Irene. There you go. Go go this one. So so out here, the, the reality of this temple was that when you brought your sacrifice, you came here, the priest said, okay, you can come in, and then this is where the people who were having sacrifices would gather. The priest literally performed the sacrifice on the altar, but the only one who could go to the basin were the priests or the high priest, and they were the only ones who could enter in to this most, to the holy place. And then you come to the holiest of place, and there's only one man once a year that could literally walk into that room, and that was the high priest. And so there was this process of kind of winnowing down how, who could approach and how they could approach but the priests had learned they better examine their self before they experience the presence of God. The priests understood. Now, I tell you what, it doesn't take me too long to see a priest so-and-so walk in and die because he forgot to wash his feet. But the next time I'm going to wash my feet when I go in there. The line, take the coal, cleanse my lips, uh, is, is found in the book Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah is having a vision where, where he's experiencing the, this this throne room, this holy place. It says in the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above them were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Now, I'm telling you what, if I'm having this vision, I'm feeling pretty good right now. I mean, come on. God puts you in this place where you're seeing seraphim, the presence of God, the glory of God. And you know what Isaiah does? Uh-oh. 
<laughs> I mean, literally, that's what he said. It's like, oh, my gosh. He said, I got, I got dirty lips. I got unclean lips. I'm not supposed to be in this place right now. Like, what am I going to do? I have unclean lips. Woe to me, I cried. When I experienced this, the first four verses, the first thing out of my mouth, I don't think is woe to me. I think it's like, oh, my goodness. Or praise God. Or something along those lines. Isaiah's first words were, woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim threw, or flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. You see, the, the Old Testament priests, the high priest understood the importance of being prepared to experience the presence of God. They were concerned with whether or not they were able to experience that presence, recognizing they had to be cleansed before they could enter in. That's why there was that bronze basin there that we could be cleansed before we enter in. So go back, Irene, to the picture with the song. Thank you. So as we sing this song, I want you to picture this song with the words. So, so as we're singing this song, we're saying basically we got here. We know where the presence of God is. Amen? This is what we're saying. We know here's where the presence of God is. Here's where we can experience the fullness of his glory. So we say, take me past the outer courts into the holy place. Past this brazen altar, that place of sacrifice, I want to see your face. I mean, again, the intention of this song is to experience the presence of God. Pass me by the crowds of people and the priests who sing your praise. I hunger and thirst for your righteousness, but it's only found in one place. So then take me into the Holy of Holies and take me in by the blood of the Lamb. When we have this picture, now we can kind of understand the context, but still, like I said, that was only the right of one person, one time a year, to experience this fullness, this, this, this presence of God, the Holy of Holies. So, so what we have is oftentimes the Old Testament is a pattern or a type that is fulfilled in the New Testament. So we'll see things in the old that begin to show fulfillment through Jesus Christ and what Jesus Christ accomplishes. And the temple is one of those things. Romans chapter 5, verse 14 says, Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command as Adam, as did Adam, who is a pattern, Adam was a pattern of the one to come. That's what we're hearing. Um, Colossians chapter 2. Therefore, don't let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival or a noon moon celebration or a Sabbath day. These were the festivals that were established in the Old Testament. Why can't anyone judge you? Why? Because these are only a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality was to be found in Christ. And so as we sing this song... Take me in. It should not exclude us, but it should actually include us. Because we're not excluded in what has happened. These were all just patterns of what was to come. 
I said they're types that were fulfilled in Christ. What happened when Jesus was on the cross? Remember what happened when he breathed his last? If you want to pull that scripture up, it's Matthew uh, chapter 27. And when Jesus cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split. That's what the verse says. The reality, when I put this in the type that was, what veil was torn? Was it not the veil that was separating the presence of God? Was it not the veil that could only be, be to someone to walk through once a year to experience the fulfillment of the temple came through Jesus Christ? When he died, he said he breathed his last and that, that veil was torn. Why? Because everyone should be able to experience the fullness of God's presence now because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but through me. In this song, they knew where the presence of God was. They went through the reality of getting themselves into that presence. Take me past the outer courts into the holy place. Past the brazen altar. I'm guessing this is me. If I watched a, a lamb be sacrificed to pay the price for my sin. That's going to stick with me. When we sing, take me past the brazen altar, we're singing, take me past the place of the sacrifice for my sin. You know, and sometimes I just have to stop and think about the cross of Jesus Christ. I have to think about the price that was paid for my redemption. The ransom we sang about that was given for me. So take me past that place today, God. I want to see your face. But to see your face, I recognize I have to, to go by that sacrifice. I have to acknowledge that sacrifice. Yeah, there might be a lot of people. There might be a lot of others gathered around. There might be other people in this room. There might be other people around me. But that doesn't matter. i got to go by that. i got to go by that, 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 that bronze basin and wash my hands and be cleansed holy so I can experience what? The fullness of God's presence. Hebrews chapter 4. It says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus is the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we don't have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. So verse 16 says, let us what? Approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. I want to tell you, oftentimes, as Walt leads us in worship, he prays that, that this time that we share, we would be heart to heart and face to face with Jesus, which, which might sound God or with, with, with the Father, might sound kind of odd, but the reality is God has asked us to come boldly, to boldly approach 
his throne of grace with confidence. Because my confidence is in what was done so I could experience his presence. My confidence is that his presence is available for me. Where is the temple today? Do you know where the temple's at today? Yeah, there is a temple in heaven. But where else is the temple today? You yourselves are a temple of the Holy Spirit, and God's Spirit dwells within you, is what the Scripture says. Why would He put His temple in you if He didn't want you to experience His presence? This morning, I've got the communion elements set up. It's the first Sunday of the month, and I can't think of a better opportunity for us to think about what God has done for us. Pam and Carrie, if you can come up and get ready. I can't think of a better moment for us when it comes to this song and taking this song and placing at where we're at today. You know, this morning, I believe that God has set a table. I believe that God has set a table because he said what? Come to my table. Commune with me. That's his desire. He's invited you to his table. I'm guessing God didn't invite you to his table so he wouldn't show up. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think you're going to sit there waiting for, the, for him to show up. He, he invited you to his table because he said he desires to commune with you. He desires for you to experience his presence. When we take communion, that's what we're reminding ourselves of. The reality of the brazen altar, that place, that sacrifice, that was for me the blood that was shed and the body that was broken so that I might have life and have it to the full. You know, take me past that. Let me think about that. Let me recognize that. Let me not worry about the crowds and the other things that are around me because there's one thing that I want today. There's one thing that I desire today. There's one thing that I need today, and that's to experience the presence of God, the glory that Isaiah said would transform this earth. And it's available if you seek it. It's available for you this morning. Hebrews chapter 10. I want to stop with this. It says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have confidence. We just talked about that confidence he gave us in Hebrews earlier. To enter, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. This, my friends, is communion. This is what God desires for us to experience today. Let's go in confidence into that holy place. Why? I don't have to be afraid. God's not going to strike me dead today because I've been forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ because of what he's done and the sacrifice that was paid. Remember, in, in Hebrews, it also says those, those sacrifices, they were just a type. They were a temporary sacrifice for what was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. That one was sacrificed for all. That's the joy of communion, knowing that because of his blood and because of his body, the curtain that was torn, I can experience the presence of God today. 
I'm going to ask them to sing this song. Communion this morning is going to be on your and God's schedule, not mine. I have the elements and they're, they're, they're spread out across the front. You can come and, and you can get one when you feel ready. This morning I desire that, that you would be able to sing this song, to put yourself in that place, to think about Jesus, to think about what God has done so you can experience the fullness of His presence. As you come forward and, and you, you, get, you get the elements, the scripture that I always read, if you want to look it up on your phone, or it'll be in and out on the screen, it's, it's 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, if you need that scripture. But my desire this morning is that you take this moment to experience the presence of God, that you hunger and thirst for His presence, that you know that God desires to meet you. I mean, you might have, excuse me for a second, Pam, thought it was odd when my wife started crying in worship. That's the presence of God. The presence of God is powerful. The presence of God transforms us. Moses, when he came down from this mountain, he literally had to wear a veil on his face because he saw the glory of God. We should be transformed when we experience the presence of God. You may cry, you may laugh, you may dance. I don't know. You may stand in awe. That's fine. It's His presence and He longs for you to be in it. Father, we come to You this morning. And God, I pray that as we sing the words to this song, that we think about them. That we recognize what You instituted in the book of Exodus and how it applies to us in Crawford, Nebraska today. God, if there's anyone who needs to stop right there at that, at that bronze offer, altar and acknowledge the sacrifice that has been made for them. God, I pray that this day they would acknowledge that sacrifice. That this day they would stand before you and recognize the price that has been paid for their sin. The scriptures say we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. But God sent His Son so that we might have life. Jesus died so that we might have the fullness of God's forgiveness in our lives. If you've never received that, receive it this morning. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth Jesus Christ is Lord, if you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you'll be saved. If we confess, if we acknowledge that we have sin, we acknowledge that Jesus died so that our sins can be forgiven. The reality is our sins are forgiven. We become a new creation in Christ Jesus. Maybe you need to just stop at the wash basin today and say, God, I just need you to clean me up. Yeah, I've acknowledged the sacrifice, but I recognize today that I need your presence. Maybe you just say, hey, I'm just so anxious to get in the presence of God. I've just got to rush through the crowd. I've got to rush through the people because I know where I'm going and I know who's there. This day is a day to experience the presence of God. Father, I pray that in these next few moments, your presence is made known. God, I pray that we receive what you've done. we recognize there's nothing. There's no curtain. There's no veil separating us from you any longer. That veil is gone. Through Jesus Christ, I experience the fullness of your glory.
Jesus' name. They can sing this song, and I'll just say the elements are here when you want to come receive them. You can come get one and take it back to your seat, or you can kneel at the altar, whatever you feel compelled by God to do in these next few minutes.
read those verses for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, the Lord Jesus, and the night he was betrayed and took bread. When he given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me in the same way after supper. He took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. God has made a way for you to experience his presence. He gave his very best so you could be together. That stuff that separated you sin, there was one thing for it. It was Jesus Christ. We remember through this that there's nothing that can separate me from the love of God which is found in Christ Jesus. Don't let anything separate you from His presence. Don't neglect the ability to encounter God Almighty. And it doesn't just have to happen once a month or or once a year, but it can happen every day. It doesn't have to happen in this place or in this time or when Tam's singing or, or something like that, but you can experience the presence of God any day because Jesus made the way once and for all. Don't neglect his presence. Don't neglect what he desires you to experience. They're going to continue to sing and I'm going to just say the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you. May he turn his face towards you and grant you his peace. And may you know the way to his presence. And may you live in his presence. Amen? Be blessed.